I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Jules, it is the last oh. Gab and Jules show of the 22-23 season. Last season. We'll be going on hiatus, but before that, we've got a packed show for you because there is a ton going on. Yeah. Uh, Transfer-wise, manager-wise, finally, the Carlo Ancelotti saga is over. Oh. Declan Rice, official. Yes. Uh, so much to talk about, but we're going to start and I think this will have some shelf life over the summer. The FC 100. Oh. Now, you know my views on awards, on yeah, rankings. rankings. You know a ranking man. Especially when there's a vote. You know, I don't believe in democracy when it comes to it. I believe in <laughs> oligarchy of one deciding. And but, yours? <laughs> but this one's a bit different. This yeah. one's a bit different. So the FC 100 is out. Um, the way we do this at ESPN, for, for those who, who, who don't know, is... We basically divide footballers up into nine different positions. That's right. Um, and we ask, we, we try to be as comprehensive as we can. We ask our ESPN family members from Latin America, from Australia, from Africa, from Asia, North America, Europe. Yeah. Everybody gets a vote. Yeah. And then we develop this ranking. There's a vote for managers as well. Yeah. There's 10 per positions plus 10 managers, hence the FC 100. Uh, I want to stress the criteria before people flip out. Feel free to flip out and disagree, but you have to know what the criteria are. Because yes. unlike the, the rules. Yes, the rules. Uh, unlike the Ballon d'Or, unlike the FIFA, the best awards, yeah. which have fuzzy criteria which nobody follows, yeah. we actually have criteria. Not everybody follow them, I suspect, <laughs> but we have criteria. The idea is simply, who is the best? Who's yeah. the best? Not who had the best season, yeah. not who scored a hat trick in a World Cup final. Although Who? that counts, that can count if you think that you know that helps. Being if you the best. think that's more relevant than scoring scoring a hat trick against Clermont Foot, maybe, maybe. But also, it means maybe more than what you did 15 years ago. Possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, and we come up with these rankings. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm gonna, we're, 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 gonna, we're not going to go through them all one by one because that would be boring and redundant. But I'm just curious, what did you learn? Kind of participating in this, voting on it. What I, I know, you've got one major bone to pick. Yes, yes, yes. First, I took it far too seriously because everybody <laughs> has an opinion, you know. But when the opinions of other people is not enough closer to mine, then I've got an issue. Um, the biggest one I think is that Rodri for me should be the number one in the central midfielder category. Instead, Jude Bellingham is first, and Rodri. Is, is second just behind. I can understand that and you've, you make a good case for it. I think I also make a good case for Rodri being the best, just the best. Okay, maybe there's more potential and certainly a much younger player in Jude Bellingham. But right now, I think Rodri is the best. Yeah. Uh, Andre Onana is not in the best 10 goalkeepers in the world. is a bit strange as well. But then I think there will be, there will be food for thought for everyone. Some will agree, some won't yeah. agree. So what, what I find really interesting, and, and obviously there's a ton of Man City players uh, yeah. on the list, which you would expect because Man City won the trouble, they're really, really good. But I think this is also a reminder that you know football is, is a dynamic, it's, it's a dynamic game, it's a fluid game. Uh, and it's really difficult to separate out individuals. I think if you play for a great team, there's a multiplier effect. Yeah. I don't think there's any argument that Kevin De Bruyne, who tops our list of uh, attacking midfielders, for example, yeah. he has more time on the ball because he's not surrounded by 10 Muppets. He's surrounded by 10 very good players. So yeah. the opposition can't key in on Kevin De Bruyne the way you might do uh, otherwise. If Kevin De Bruyne played for Southampton, 
and he was surrounded by by those guys, yeah, maybe he wouldn't be as productive. Yeah, maybe. So I don't quite know how you take it into account, and it becomes kind of like a, a, a circular argument because you know, are these guys good because they play for City, or do they play for City because they're good? Yeah. I, I you know, my thoughts on this. I would lean towards the fact that, in part, they are good because they play for City because. I go back to the Manuel Akanji concept. I go back to the Nathan Ake concept, right? Uh, even Riyad Mahrez. These aren't people who, you know, went and came over after winning Ballon d'Ors at Real Madrid and come to City and do the same thing. Yeah. These are people who made this, this, clear, pro, uh, this, this clear progress. So I guess what I'm driving at, teamwork really matters in football, yeah, especially for sure, for sure. on a pep team. Maybe, maybe more so than other, maybe certainly basketball sport we both follow. Certainly more so, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Jules, one of the things with these sort of popular vote things is that a little bit like the Ballon d'Or, you know my issues there, yeah. guys who favor big teams and get on television uh, tend to get more votes. Of I, course. I think we've done a little bit better with this in the sense that it's not just, you know, oh, let's name the entire, you know, Real Madrid or City team, although a lot of guys are in there. Yeah. And some of them I think we can we can debate. But... I'm going to go through this by position. We're going to go through this quickly, and I'm going to make this very simple. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you who the number one was. Yeah. We'll both say if we agree or disagree. Yeah. And you look at the list, and you tell me if there's anything wrong, somebody okay. who does not belong there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, or, or, or somebody who should belong. Yeah. Okay? All right. So goalkeepers, number one, Thibaut Courtois. I got no problem with that whatsoever. I think he is the world number one. Yeah, me too. Just about because in distribution and with the ball at his feet, I would I would want to be more from him or more from my number yeah. one. But yeah, I agree with you. When you go one. play beach football, I think that becomes no, important. That, in oh football. my! Of it's you, of all people, saying that, you know, this is not true. Uh, anybody on here who shouldn't be on here? Who you didn't vote for? Yeah, Donnarumma is a bit too high at number six. You know, but somebody who doesn't belong in the top ten. Maybe Nick Pope. Maybe Nick Pope is a bit generous, especially when Andre Onana is not in that top 10. I just think you don't like tall goalkeepers. No. Okay, right backs. Ashraf Hakimi is number one. We talked about this on our show. Yeah. Uh, on on, on this, the FC 100 special that, that we did. And by the way, you should go check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, he's almost there by inertia, I think. At the he's right the best of the not so good ones for you know the last few weeks. Uh, anybody here who's missing? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is a, not as strong a list as the left backs, but but I, I think everybody's there. I, I question Danny Carvajal a little bit. Uh, still, uh, still. Uh, but Joe Cancelo, by the way, a good example. Did not have a good season at all. No. But he's really, really good. Yeah. He's really, really good. True. So that's why he's there. Uh, left backs, number one, Fonzie. Alfonso Davies, yeah, that was your vote? Yeah, although I think Theo is quite close. Why did uh, you go with Theo? Because he's not from not Paris. He's French, but he's not from Paris. No, but he's still French. They, they, they're just not perfect, neither of them. And I think the left backs is really interesting. We said on the show on YouTube that you have so many different profiles in that left back uh, list and rankings, which makes it fascinating. Some play two positions, some play more as a wing back, more full back, all of that is great, but I think it's a very strong left back list. Yeah, Fede Di Marco, I think you could have made a case. You, you should have made a case. You should, you should. Rafael Guerrero, of course, we've seen so much more of him in, in central yeah, midfield late in the season as well. as well. Zinchenko, the way he plays it, is he basically a midfielder? You could make a case that, that Theo, of course, uh, sorry, not Theo, Trent Alexander-Arnold is heading in that direction as well. Yeah. 
Among the center backs, Ruben Diaz, was he your number one? He was the number one. But, and who's the number two again? Uh, some guy named Josko Gvardiol. Yeah, again, I think if right now you said that they are the two best center backs in the world, I don't think there's, a, there's an issue. You can maybe make a case for, for another one there and there, but I think they, they're pretty good. What's interesting in that list is the age of, of most of the top six players because Arojo is young. Kvaljol is really young. I mean, Diaz is still young. You've got a lot of under-25s in that top 10. That's right. Uh, you, could, you can certainly ask uh, uh, add Bastoni to it as well, yeah. Adrian Militao. Um, the one guy who some might not be so sure about, who seems to be on the slide, and some people might say that his uh, uh, fellow centre-back is better, uh, is Virgil van Dijk. Yes, yes. I think... This might be the last time that he's in that top 10. He's at seven. Even David Alaba at three is maybe a little bit high. Central midfield. Here we I go. I disagree with this one. I had Jude Bellingham at number one. You had Rodri. I think, I, I, as much as I love Jude Bellingham, and I, the potential is incredible, the talent is great, the maturity for a 19-year-old, everything you want. But Rodri is the best central midfielder in the world right now. It's just, he has everything. There's a lot of things maybe that Jude Bellingham can do. Not a lot. There's some things maybe that Jude can do that Rodri cannot do, but I, they, there's not many. And even, there's not many. What? Tell me what? Just because Rodri had a couple rockets from outside the box. I don't know. And Rod, and I think Jude Bellingham running at people, taking them on, beating them. I don't think it's something that no. you expect Rodri to do. But that's not what his role is either. Well, that's fine. So, so those are things that Bellingham does that Rodri doesn't do. But they don't play the same position either. They're both central midfielders, but with slightly different profiles. I Right now, if I was a sporting director, I'd get Rodri in my team. If you ask Bellingham to sit in front of the back four, could he do it? Not with the not same as, efficiency. Not as well as Rodri, exactly. but he could do it, yeah. right? If, if you, you ask Rodri, Rodri to dribble and make runs into from deep into the box, he can do it. Not as well as Jude, but he can still do but it. He would, okay, but I think the gap would be much bigger between Rodri playing as a number as a number ten, getting forward. But it's a different people. skill set. Right, but then Jude Billingham sitting in front of the, 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 the back four, reading the game, intercepting passes, winning the ball back, right? Yeah, then put him in as an attacking midfielder then. He's an all-rounder. As a central, yeah, but as a central midfielder. Well, Pedro, well, this is the thing. The guy's number three. And by the way, for me, there's very little gap between the top three. Yeah, in fact, I think I, I'm, I don't remember if I had Rodri at two or three, but Pedri is in there too. Incredible. Uh, and again, we don't judge on season. Not the best season from for, from Pedri. No. But he is a phenomenal footballer. Incredible, yeah. And he's still kind of growing into what his role yeah, is going to be. Yeah, exactly. All of this is very new to him. Compared to Bellingham, for example, who... You know, started young and then went to Dortmund even younger. For Pedri to arrive in the way he did at Barcelona and just explode like that on the scenes, it's all very fresh to him. So he's going to get better and better. Declan Rice, we're going to talk to you later. Not on the list. That's Are you a mistake. You had him in there? Yeah, definitely. You, you would have him ahead of Bruno Guimaraes, maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh? I love Bruno, but yeah. Attacking midfield, number one. It feels like he's number one every year. Kevin De Bruyne. Um... That's who you voted for, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Just, even if, again, at times this season, even Pep Guardiola himself questioned some of the performances from KDB. Just an incredible player. And again, there's a lot of talent on that list, but he, he is the outstanding number one. You say there's a lot of talent. I actually think this is a list where there is a big drop-off between the top five, De Bruyne, Odegaard, Bernardo Silva, Musiala, Bruno Fernandes. Gavi, for some reason, is seventh. I would have had him at sixth, uh, ahead of Julian Brandt. And everybody else, because the other guys on the list, Julian Brandt, Brian Diaz, 
I mean, unless you're related to him or a big, yeah, you know, yeah. a couple things on TV, but sure. Uh, Lucas Paqueta, okay, the packet, great for West Great Hamilton, talent, but yeah. still, yeah, and, no. and, and Barella, who, you know, again, Barella should be higher, uh, should be higher than Brian Diaz. Barella is a better talent than is a better player than than Brian Diaz. Oh, and by the way, on on Barella, some people have, have have queried about you know oh, but you know he plays he's one of the midfield three in a three five two. He's not a ten. Attacking midfield doesn't mean ten. It's based on what you actually do during the game. Yeah. And if you look at his average positions, you look at where he operates, uh, especially when Inter have the ball. Um, there's no question he is the attacking midfielder with the other two guys uh, often playing deep. Yeah. So uh, that was the criteria we used. Wingers. Now, number one and two on the wingers list yeah. are also one and two on the official Gab and Jules uh, 20, oh, sorry, just 2001 players born, a draft of players born in 2001. That's right. Bukayo Saka yeah. and Kvica Kvartskelia. Yeah. This is a nice little rivalry. It's lovely. It's lovely. I mean, are they bird and magic? Yeah, I mean, they, I hope for them that they become like that. Yeah, and that they are as successful as bird and magic. I think Vaskelia has to be the the new entry, the best new entry ever. Because a year ago, he would have never, we would have never even thought about him for our ESPN FC 100 or any kind of list of rankings before. It shows what an incredible season he had in Naples for his first. Season in one of the big five leagues. Uh, Bukayo Saka is just the star boy, isn't he? An incredible talent, just an incredible kid all around, and I think he deserves his first place. Uh, yeah, I, I had Saka as number one, too. Some of these names on this list, I would query a little bit. I think it's a bit of the multiplier effect we talked about, like playing for Man City. Man yeah. City have three guys on this list. Uh, Riyad Mahrez is in at six, Phil Foden at nine, um, and Jack Grealish at three. Personally, I'm not sure Riyad Mahrez belongs on this list, and and the, the the reason I would say that, and I know that you know neither first of all neither Mahrez not nor Foden were automatic starters the whole season. Yeah. But obviously, you say the bar is very high at City. But I would seriously question if you take these three guys and you put them on, let's go back to Southampton. On Southampton, would they be on this list? Ah, they would still shine though. I don't know if they would be on the list. It's hard to tell, but. I think Jack Grealish was because they do what he did at Villa, just pass the ball for him and he'd keep running until he got fouled or beat everybody and scored. Foden is a big talent. Uh, maybe he would. Mares, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely... He's a very skillful player, though. There are not many as skillful as him. That left foot is crazy. All right, moving on to the forwards. Now, this is where it got interesting. Uh, the guy who's number one... Kylian Mbappe, I'm assuming you voted for him. Yes. I voted for him. Yeah. I, I, I only voted for him. I had no number two. Number <laughs> two. Uh, Lionel Messi clocks in at three. And again, I repeat this. This is not, oh, but he won the World Cup. No, no. This is where Lionel Messi is right now. And you and I both put Vinicius and Mbappe ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this, Messi is the GOAT. He's the greatest. He's fantastic. Even at 36 years old. He still deserves to be in that top five because he's still very, very good. We saw that. Maybe not as consistently as before, but because of his age. But he still deserves to be there. That might be the last year where he's there. He might not make the, the top 10 in the forwards next season, next year. But for now, for what we saw in the first half of the season with PSG at the World Cup, for what we saw previously, for the talent that he has, the personality, the experience, everything, he deserves to be in the top 10. 
And among central strikers, again, I think we both had the same guy. In our, actually, no, you probably had Kareem the Dream. Kareem the Dream. Is that who you voted for? Yeah, it was number one, number two, number three. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Exactly. no, no, no. Hi, he's kidding. kidding. He's kidding. We both had Erling Haaland. Yes. Um, this is, uh, he came in ahead of Benzema, ahead of Harry Kane, ahead of uh, Victor Seaman. I don't know about Benzema, too. I'll be very... I'm very honest. I mean, I think when you're Harry Kane, you score 30 goals a season, you have all those assists, uh, you've done it consistently for a long time, you're not moving on to Saudi. I think at some point, Benzema, as phenomenal as he's been, the curve is yeah, turning Yeah, yeah, for sure. If it's a bit like Messi, he might not, it will certainly not be as high next year and might not even be in that list next year. Uh, it's interesting to see, again, this is kind of a next generation thing uh, because you've got older players uh, like Benzema, like Kane, like Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. Gabriel Jesus in at six, that's the one I have a bit of an issue with, but whatever. Uh, but then you've got Kolomwani, you've got Isak, you've got Vlavic, yeah. Jonathan David, and of course, Erling Haaland, still a kid. Yeah. So this is, this is something to look forward to. It's I a really good list. It is. The coaches list. Yeah. Gee, I wonder who we all voted for for yeah, number one. Yeah, who could be okay, number yeah. one? Let me think. Okay, so obviously it's Pep. Um, I, I, I like the fact that while uh, Italy not very good right now at qualifying for, or, or rather I should say, while Italy opting right now to give other countries a chance to win World Cups. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. There's it's only one. It's very kind of you. It's very kind of you. Really yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's a nice gesture because after all, there's only one country that has won more World Cups than Italy, right? True, true. So, true. But I am kind of excited by the fact that in the top 10, um, there are no fewer than four Italian managers. Four? Wow. Plus Lionel Scaloni, who is clearly of Italian descent and, yes, and played course. in Italy. Plus Pep Guardiola, who played of in course. Italy. Plus Xavi, who went on holiday in Italy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Eric, Italy is clearly the, the thing that in common that all of those people have, right? I, clearly. Eric Ten Hag, I don't think he's ever been to Italy. doesn't seem to be his no. thing. But is, still. His wife, his wife Italian, maybe, no? Uh, let's not go there. Um, but uh, any issues with this? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think you made the criteria on purpose for Carlo Ancelotti so he could be as high as second <laughs> in the list uh, because maybe the season was not of the best, of course, even if there were titles for, for Real Madrid. But again, yeah. as, a, as a whole... All around, Carlo, I think, deserved that second place for everything that he is as a manager right now. Uh, but Pep, number one, of course, outstanding. And then it's a strong list. The Zerbi, we've said, we said on the show, and we're just going to repeat it quickly, but we, I mean, I think certainly there's three criteria to judge a manager. The success, of course, on the pitch, the trophy that he wins, the style of football, the style of play, and how he improves his own players individually. So collectively, he goes with the style, but individually. And I think of our, of our top 10, a lot of them either have two of the three criteria, some of them, like Pep, of course, all three. Others have maybe just one. Uh, but overall, you know that there's something. And if you take the Zerbi, okay, you could say he hasn't even completed the full season at Brighton. But how he took this team forward, qualifying them for the first time ever in Europe, how much some players have improved individually, Stupinan, Ferguson, McAllister, whoever you want in that team, plus the style of football makes him very deservedly uh, a place in that top 10. Uh, I, I think those are great points, and I think some people might query, well, Xavi at, at number 10. Maybe a bit low, yeah. But I think the argument there is, first of all, there's not a long track record, and I know there isn't one with the Zerbi either, but there is a longer one for yeah, the Zerbi, yeah, at least yeah, in sure. Europe, uh, significantly longer yeah, yeah. Uh, than Xavi. To the fact that Barcelona 
I don't think Xavi has said this himself. They they're not where he wants them to be. No, they, they he hasn't been able to get them to play the style exactly. that he wants them yeah, that, yeah. that he wants them to play. And and I think he'll have time to to move up the list. Um, but for me, the very simple question. Okay, God appears to Nasser Al Khalifi and says, "Listen, I'm going to make Luis Enrique go away, and you can have any manager." In the world, yeah. So Nasser picks up the phone, yeah, and calls you, Jules, yeah, and says, "Okay, I can have any guy on any guy in the world to manage to manage Paris Saint-Germain, ah, an and it's one. not Pep, ah, uh, what? What was that? Th- yeah, but it's the Abu Dhabi cut cutter okay. thing, right? Because we you know you pick out who would you pick? Would you pick the guy you put second on the list? Maybe, maybe he's been there before. That's the criteria. It's never good to go back, I think. Okay, so Carlo, who would you put? Carlo would do well. I think Klopp would do great. I think... I don't... Not sure about... I think Xavi could do well, potentially, but it would need a bit of time, and not sure the time is there. Simone Inzaghi, I just don't think he would be happy in the kind of environment that, that it is. Already at some point at Inter, we saw that all the drama and chaos. So in Paris, is even more not so sure. Um, it gotta be Klopp. Klopp. I, I, Luciano I, I, I Spalletti. Would, I would love Luciano Spalletti. I would love to oh see God. it. Can you imagine? I mean, that would be well, that would be feisty. Um, I don't know. I'm happy for Luis. I'm happy with Luis Enrique right now. Okay. Well, look, and of course, Spalletti has coached in in, in Saint Petersburg before. Yeah. Lovely, beautiful city, like kind of like like Paris, right? Yeah. Every planned city, sort of. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's sort of like Paris, sort of. demented and sad. Yeah. It's sort of like Paris. Yeah, right? yeah if you want. And close yeah. to Finland. Yeah. All right, enough FC 100, but do check it out online. Uh, Jules, how about some quick hits? Let's go, Gab. The Declan Rice deal to Arsenal is finally Woo! done. West Ham will get 100 million pounds up front, plus up to 5 million pounds in bonuses, Jules. Yeah. He's not the most expensive English player uh, in history, as I wrote in this thing. He's the most expensive English player in Premier League history. In Premier League history. Because Jude Bellingham might have something yes. to say about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it was coming, of course, especially after Man City kind of withdrew. Mm, yeah. We can put it that way. From from the the race of signing him, Were he they ever to, in exactly. But he wanted to go to Arsenal anyway. Arsenal really wanted him. They think that he can take this team to the next level. Um, and I think he's an amazing talent. I think he's a world class player. I really do. And I think he will make a big difference for them. So it's a lot of money, of course. It's a it's a record signing for Arsenal in their history too. But I think I think he's worth it. Who's moving out? Thomas Party. Party and Shaka. Yeah. And Havertz as an eight, as we said, other guards keeping the same position, and Rice will play in front of the back four. Rice can play. The, the good thing about Rice, he gives you a lot of options. You can play with a double pivot. You can play just with him. I think if you get him to 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 have a fluid midfield, he can even bring you more going forward with the ball. I think he's that good. I am so intrigued by this Havertz as an eight proposition. Um, I am so curious to see how yeah, it me works too. out because me too, you know, me the, man, the man's been trying without a position. I still think he can do a job at centre forward. He can grow into the position, and I think yeah. you know my thoughts on Gabriel yeah. Jesus. However, trust in Arteta. This is what he wants to do. Let's see how it works know. out. As in Spain, reports that Vinicius Junior has extended his deal with Real Madrid until 2027. Gab, this was important. Yeah, so it's important in some ways, not so important in other ways. In the sense that. Um, 
I think his previous deal was 2025, so you can make the point. They always oh, take time. What man. if he works his thing down and then he goes? I I, I can't. I, I just couldn't see Vinicius Junior deciding. Oh, look, I'm going to go to Paris Saint Germain or whatever. Yeah, right? definitely. Uh, so I think he was always going to extend. It was a question of time. It's important that he feels rewarded. By the way, I say this all the time. Caveat: When people say like, "Oh, look, he has a one billion euro lease release clause," like. Yeah. Just go and laugh at them. All, almost every contract in Spain has a release yeah, clause. It doesn't mean anything. One. A billion euros, who cares? But Real Madrid aren't done. They're reportedly close to locking up 18-year-old Turkish prodigy Arda Guler from Fenerbahce. I have only, I've never seen him in the flesh. I have only seen him on YouTube. Uh, in two dimensions, he looks pretty special. He looks very special. Gab, that left foot is, is incredible. Really, really lethal. He, He's not ready yet, but like Vinicius wasn't ready or Rodrigo wasn't really ready when like they moved. Hendrik isn't ready. Hendrik uh, isn't ready, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing talent that other clubs like Barcelona, for example, were really keen on signing as well. So I think well done because it's actually like a decent fee. I think it's 20 million euros. Uh, 20 million euros yeah. because he had a release clause. Yeah. I think there's, there's some bonuses involved, a bit over the release clause. And you know, it's in still, these situations, whoever's doing the deal gets a massive commission. True, true. But still, from still, given the hype, it, it's, yeah, it's a great yeah, exactly. price. Yeah, um, what I would, what he, what he reminded me of. I mean, people comparing to Messi, I, I think it's a different body type than Messi. He reminded me. If you, there's videos of a very, very young Jao Felix at uh, Sporting, uh, which are on on YouTube, like when he was like 16, 17 years old. I see more of the parallel there. Before he went to Benfica, even. Sorry, yeah. Oh, Benfica. No, Benfica. Maybe, sorry, yeah, yeah. Maybe, sorry, Benfica, I meant, like, before I went to Atleti anyway. I think before, maybe using, maybe from, like, the youth team. Like, that, I, I kind of saw a bit of that. Hopefully, things turn out better for him. Oh, yeah, but, let's hope. But, yeah, amazing talents. So. Do you think he's going to get playing time? Because if they end up not signing a centre-forward, which I'm assuming they're going to sign Killian yeah. um, to play somewhere. Yeah. But... If they don't, you could play Rodrigo centrally, Vinicius on the left, and and Guler and on the right. And sort of some Guler, Valverde. Yeah, the, I think the, the the good thing with Guler is that you can play him again. He can play as a ten behind a striker. He can play a bit deeper, I think, because technically he's so so gifted, right. and he can play on the right as an in inverted winger coming inside onto his left foot, which I think would work really really well. And you just imagine the combination between him, Rodrigo, Vinicius. Plus the midfielder that you will have behind, whether that's Bellingham, Chouamini, Gamavinga, yeah. Cruz, Modric. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. They just add another weapon to it. And my understanding is Mariano Diaz hasn't signed with other clubs, so they could always bring him. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding, Real Madrid fans. <laughs> Meanwhile, got Mauricio Pochettino arranged for an Argentine barbecue on his first day in the job at Chelsea. And he says that joining the club was an easy decision and that in the last 10, 12, 15 years, Chelsea were the greatest club in England. Yeah, I'm sure Spurs that, fan will that appreciate point, that. I don't, I don't know if it was wise to go and I say know, that. Like, it sounds like he's trying too hard. But you know what? I like the Argentine thing. You see him, he's all smiley and stuff. I like it when you have happy potch. Uh, is it an easy decision? Sure. You're unemployed. You get to move <laughs> back to London. You get to manage a club that, well, that, 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 that historically has been really big. Yeah. Of course. Of course it's a decision. Jules, yeah. the saga is finally over. Carleton Ancelotti will leave Real Madrid at the end of the season and take over Braz yeah. uh, Brazil uh, as boss ahead of the 2024 Copa America, right through the 2026 World Cup if Brazil qualified. Um, in the meantime, Fernando Diniz will be in charge. Yeah, he would be in charge. He's a good coach, too. But then I think they wanted Carlo. They have Carlo now. They would have to wait a little bit longer. I would expect 
that Carlo will be involved somehow, even through this season, of what Denise is going to do. It would be strange for Denise, let's say, to go and play 3-5-2 and, and do something completely different than what Carlo would do. I think there would be, it would be good for even Carlo to be a little bit involved with Denise, let's say, when they build up squads, especially when we get closer to the Copa America. Uh, Carlo cannot be completely... Uh, absent of what's going to happen between now and the Copa America. Florentino's going to agree with that. No, but what's, what's wrong with the phone call now and again to Fernando Dini? Because it takes time away from Real Madrid. It's yeah. the biggest job in the world. I'm sure this is what's going to happen. I think it's great news for everybody. And now Real Madrid have a year to prepare for who's coming next, which is good too. So, and exactly the next question, Gabi. How should Real Madrid prepare for his succession? I think very carefully. And I think the preparations should should start now. Because yeah. obviously they've invested in so many young players Arda Guler, the latest one, but when you go through it, you've got you've got Rodrigo, uh, Valverde is not old, Bellingham, Camavinga, uh, Schwameni, right? So many of these guys. Uh, Vinicius is still just 22 years old, right? So they want. I think the main thing you decide is: Do you want a guy who's a man manager managing? You know, which I know sounds reductive, or do you want the vision guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, on paper, two of the names that have been mentioned to Real Madrid old boys, Raúl. And Xabi Alonso. Yeah, yeah. Um, Abeloa, who's done really well as well in the youth teams, like Raul did before he left. Uh, I, I, I don't know about it. I would like them to, I think they should cast the net a little bit wider. Um, and when it comes to succession, I think they also need to start thinking. I'm sure Florentino must start thinking. He's not going to be there forever. You should start yeah. thinking in those terms as well. Because this club has to transition yeah. uh, at, at some point. And you've got a great core of young players. If it means you have to take a season to grow, then then let that happen. Yeah. Luis Enrique has confirmed as manager of Paris Saint-Germain, along with a bunch of signings we've already reported on because you told us about them yeah. before they were actually made official. Exactly. But Jules, you know the one of I am course. most excited about. Cher Ndour, who scored last night against Malta in the European Under-19, yes. which I know we were both watching. Yeah, he's an Italian international, 18 years old, as you mentioned, came from Benfica on a free. Um, tall, strong, very good technically. Some people have said he's the new Pogba. Um, you know, people love giving like nicknames. I thought like Ryan Gravenberch was the new Pogba. Yeah, I think there was a lot of new Pogbas and new Zidane's before and new plenty of other things. But yeah, I think of all the new signings, you know, the Ugarte and Lucas Hernandez. You're most Cunha, excited about him. But he's the, the most under the radar one. I don't really know why. Maybe because people don't know so much or not well, enough. He's hardly about. played. I think that's part of it. Yeah, but he still I mean, had a few under games. 19s. He played a lot with Italy at youth, youth level from under 16 to now. I think he's a very exciting prospect, but I think it's also normal that the spotlight should be on Luis Enrique and the, the bigger names, if you want, that the club are signing now, like Lucas Hernandez, Ugarte, Skin, 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 Not in my Ascension. house. In my house is Sharon Door. <laughs> exactly. Mason Mount said goodbye to Chelsea after 18 years at the club with a, with a very emotional message. He did. He said, look, he's, you know, he was really heartfelt. Like, he wouldn't quite cry, but you could... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Once he switched sad. the camera off, he probably did. The guy spent 18 years at the club. I don't think it's a secret. It ended badly. It was a massive breakdown in, in the relationship between yeah. the people who look after him. Uh, some of them are family members uh, and the club. And I think it hurt them. It hurt them that they couldn't work out a deal. Um, we can debate the ins and outs, the long-term strategy. But I really like that. I like that rather than you know the usual statement written by some PR muppet saying goodbye to the club. This felt really, really hard. It did, it did. Southampton value Romeo Lavia at £50 million, and reportedly there's interest from Chelsea, Arsenal, and United. Jules, is that a bit over the top for a guy yeah. who has one season of top-flight football and one more international cap than you do? 
Yeah, I think so too, Gav. I think Liverpool are quite keen as well. I think those clubs were keen and when they were told the price, they think, okay, maybe not. Maybe we should wait. It's a player that can play, that, that would play or should, could play in the championship next season. Uh, and as talented as he is, with, with his age too, and with the potential that he has, yeah, of course, you can, you can pay that now and take the gamble because he might be worth 80 million in two years. I don't know. But it's still, a, it's still a lot of money for someone with so little experience. So Man City have a buyback clause on him for, for, for $45 million, Yeah. Uh, which I'm told actually doesn't take effect until next summer. That's right. Um, obviously, he would still need to agree to return yeah. to, to Manchester City. But if you're City, you'd be getting into his ear and say, like, Don't hey, go anywhere. Dude. Spend the cheese in the championship. That's if they believe in him. If that's if that's if they want him back. Right, but I mean they're hedging their bets. Why not? In a year yeah. from now, who knows? Yeah, yeah true. I mean, true. Maybe they don't love Rodri as much as you do. Oh. Inter have uh, the midfield to replace Marcelo Brozovic, who left obviously to go to Saudi Arabia. It's as follows Davide Fratesi. Gab is 33 million euros, rising to 38 with bonuses, and it's one of those loan with obligations to buy. Are you excited? Yeah, loan with obligations to buy is purely uh, an accounting yeah, deferred, uh, deferring, to, deferring to do the further payments. Uh, I think it's quite a bit of money. I mean, he's had his ups and downs. Yeah. He's a very exciting player. He's got a great personality. He gets forward. He's very dynamic. I'm excited that they're adding dynamic players. And I think, you know, him and Barella, you know, that is a bang-bang midfield. Um, compared to Brozovic, obviously, he lacks Brozovic's experience. He, I yeah. think he lacks Brozovic's Different quality. Different profile, yeah, yeah. Different profile. I think Brozovic is well ahead of him uh, right now. In fact, Brozovic at his age was well ahead of him. But... I love his personality. I love the intensity he brings. Robert Sanchez is the latest uh, name popping up in the oh. Manchester United goalkeeper bingo after David Raya, Andre Onana, uh, Justin Billow. Yeah. Does this make sense? I mean, I think they're going down the pecking order in the sense that we know they can't afford Andre Onana and pay £50 million for a goalkeeper. Even 40 for Raya, I think, is too high. Sanchez is now the number three in the hierarchy at Brighton, right? They signed Verbruggen, the very exciting young goalkeeper. They still have Jason Steele, who finished last season as the number one. And then Sanchez. Sanchez is a good option. Is he like a world-class goalkeeper? I don't think he is. But he's a good option. He's re regularly called up with, with the Spain national team. Can I make a suggestion? Given what we know about their budget res restrictions, um, if I'm Manchester United, you know what I do? I take Robert Sanchez on Me loan. Me too. I take him on loan for a season. I spend the money on the center forward that I need, and I'm okay with yeah, with, with yeah, Robert yeah. Sanchez and Tom Heaton, whoever hangs around. Yunus yeah. Moussa has reportedly agreed personal terms with AC Milan, but Valencia are hoping for a higher offer from elsewhere, like a bit of a bidding war, if you want. Gabby, sounds a lot like the politics situation. It is. I mean, I think, I remember way back in the day when, like, especially here in England, they'd report, like, oh, Arsenal have asked Charlton for permission to speak to Kevin Lisby or whatever, right? <laughs> I, I was like, oh, no, he's being well, tapped up. How come up. Charlton and Kevin Lisby came to your mind? I don't know. I think he's the first, he was the first Charlton player okay, I, 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 I thought of. Um, this is all different now, and we know this has been like this for a long time. We cut through the pretensions. There is no tapping up. There's no tampering. No. You make the deal with the player first. Musa, they have the deal in place. They have to negotiate with Valencia. Same thing with, with, with Pulisic. Reinders, a slightly different situation. They still hope to bring in Chukweze. They need the center forward. They've yeah. been linked with Skamaka. You like Skamaka? For yeah, take him on loan. Take him on loan from West Ham. Skamaka, Giroud, those are, those are two uh, very like large that. men. Large, uh, tall, strong men. <laughs> up front, uh, one more handsome and less tattooed than the uh, other, but still. Yeah, still. Uh, why not?
Steven Gerrard is the new manager of Al Ettifak in the Saudi Pro League. Yes. Jules, they're not one of the country's big spending clubs. That's Are you a right. Bit surprised? Uh, yeah, they're, they're not owned by the PIF, like uh, like the four biggest one. Let's put it that way. They're owned by other wealthy yeah, investors, but they haven't. Not, the kind of, I, not I yet. But maybe they need the manager first, and then with his vision and what he wants to do, they can go and get him the players that he wants to fit that vision. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I looked at the list of foreign yeah, players, yeah, distinctly well. um, unimpressive relative to <laughs> two other clubs. To um, the right. There's still time to catch up, I guess. It's it's weird when we were when we were in the Gulf. He's got a he's got some tie up with some company out there and stuff. He was like on television all the time. He yeah. seems to have a pretty high profile there. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder about this. Like, I'm sure he's well compensated, but because he said no to them first, remember he turned them down. Yeah. And now maybe because he didn't get anything else. I just wonder, are you going to grow professionally? I, I could see maybe you would. I mean, it is an experience abroad. We've always said it's good. But are you going to grow professionally if you're at a club like that? I mean, if, if you're at, you know, Al Nasser or Al Etihad, you're working with other legends, you know, they can teach you something, I guess. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Rudy Garcia went when... The, you know, the team, Al Nasser, was not very good. Right. But I'm assuming... Cristiano and now he's in Naples, so... I'm assuming Steven Gerrard has a much, much, much bigger bank balance than Rudy Garcia. I know, but still, to show you that you can still, after after Saudi, go to a top club. Oh, yeah. No, no question. More scout Saudi moves, Gabby. Roberto Firmino has been unveiled as Al-Hali. And there's plenty of speculation that Thiago Alcantara might be joining him out there in Saudi. Would he leave a hole at Liverpool? How do you see that he, move? So, the only indications, and look, if you put money on the table, maybe it'll change your mind. He's got a year left on his contract. Yeah. Um, I don't know how hard... I don't think Liverpool are going to give him a new one because of the injuries and, and, and the and age. age yeah. I think he's different to the other midfielders. Look, and I've had the same line about Thiago Cantaro all along, right? When they signed him, given his age and his wages, I thought, okay, you're just signing him for those specific games where the opposition parked the bus. I didn't see him as like a week-in, week-out player because I was unlikely he's going to be fit. I think he's very different from the other midfielders they have. Even... Even you know, the, the quality ones that they add in, 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 in Soboslai and McAllister, they're not really perceptive passers the way Thiago Alcantara McAllister, yeah, McAllister is. But not to a level no, of Thiago, no, no, no. right? So, I, I don't know. I think if Thiago decides, you know what, I'm going to stick around, uh, take a run at, at, at the Premier League and, and, and the Europa League this season, and then let's have this conversation in a year's time, I think that would be good for Liverpool. I think if he moves, I think they should think about how they might want to bring in that type of skill set yeah. because it, it, it doesn't exist. You're not going to need it every game, but there's games when you'll need it. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know Trent in midfield, we'll see about that, but come yeah. on. Yeah. The assault case against Eder Valverde has been dropped by Spanish court after his alleged punch on Villarreal's Alex Baena. But Jules, he's not off the hook yet in terms of sporting justice where no, he's yeah. still facing a five-match ban. Yeah, that's right. But you remember... The incident after the game where allegedly Valverde waited for Bahena, who made some comments about Valverde's girlfriend being pregnant at the time and the baby, etc., etc., and, and punched him in the face, at least on that level, in terms of, of court and, and the law, is cleared. But you're right, I think um, it could still be banned for the start of next season if he was again proven guilty for, for the league. Yeah, what I'm not clear on, um, because I'm not a lawyer and I haven't reviewed the court documents and I don't believe they've been issued yet, is is the court saying that he didn't punch him or did this court saying 
there's not enough proof that he punched him? Yeah. Or is the court saying that he punched him, but it's okay because Alex... Surely that can't be it. No, I, I thought it was a lack of proofs. Lack of evidence yeah, that it evidence, actually yeah. happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so if there's lack of evidence that actually happened, then it comes down to... Uh, you know, just explains we see this happen in, in, in the Premier League and in, 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 in different leagues. Sporting justice, it's on the balance of probability. It's not yeah. beyond a reasonable doubt, right? So the, uh, the standard of proof required is much lower in sporting justice. So I could still be open. I, I, I don't know. I mean, um, the, the, the court, I guess, yeah. it would certainly be weird if they go against the yeah, court. Yeah, definitely. Wilfred Zaha is a free agent, as we know, and reportedly has four different offers, four different options. Fenerbahce in Turkey, Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia, Lazio in Italy, or he can stay at Crystal Palace. Gab, what do you think he's going to do? Uh, it's funny because I, I think he's ready to move. I would like him to move. Yeah, I, I really would like now. him to move. He's been there forever. He ran down his contract for a reason, right? It was not yeah. to stay. I, I don't know. Look, and... Palace have, have offered him, I think, a very generous contract. I think it's four years. It's, it's a lot of money. But you know what, dude? You're 30. You've made your money. Yeah. You know what's happening next season because Uncle Roy's coming back. Yeah. So you now know exactly how you're going to play, whatever. Yeah. You know it's probably going to be for a year. And then you'll have to deal with another manager. Why not have another experience now? Um, I agree with you completely. I'm assuming Al Nasser would be... Uh, the most lucrative. The most lucrative. And you would get to play with that Cristiano Ronaldo fella. Uh, yeah. That pretty could be good. fun. That's pretty good. Um, Fenerbahce and Lazio, you both have European football. Yeah. You both have Champions League football. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe Zaha played in the Champions League when he was at the United. United but maybe, not much anyway. But not yeah. much. Uh, and that was a different Zaha back then. I'd love to see him at Lazio. Um, with Sarri. Uh, what could go wrong? What could possibly? No, I think, I think that would be fun. Um, Fenerbahce as well, you know, I, I think he wants a big club, yeah. big audience, big stadium, yeah. full. Yeah. That's where I would like to see him. Sorry, Palace fans, but look, if you feel more for Palace, with you. that's I'm okay with you. too. Yeah. Daniel Farke is the new manager of Leeds United. Uh, Jules, I'm not going to make the joke again about what he looks like, no, about his appearance. Don't. So I'll just ask you, is this a good choice? I'm to not too up? sure. I'm not too sure, Gabby. Uh, Patrick Vieira was the, the, the leading a contender and then he decided to go to Strasbourg and then they went for Farker. Uh, yeah, of course, he got Norwich promoted to the Premier League when he was there. With a smaller budget than he's smaller likely to have budget. Okay, fair enough. That's good. Uh, Leeds, who, by the way, are losing uh, Brendan Aronson, who's going to go on loan to Union Berlin. Um, but, but, yeah, yeah, no, why not? The problem I have is that if the ambition is to go back up and then you know that this guy struggled before in the Premier League, it's a bit like okay, the long, the, even the right. midterm vision is to go up and then what? You go up with him and it's just not work because he's not good enough for the Premier League. Well, then you replace him. He's not him, good enough for the Premier League last season either. The last time he was in the Premier League with Norwich, I mean, other than my man Todd Cantwell, who I thought was good and then disappeared, Completely. and the other fullback who we thought was good and then uh, Max Aaron's. Max Aaron, yeah, we Lewis. thought was good and then disappeared. Yeah, are we still there? What? Was he still? <laughs> he's still there. I remember somebody like forty million pound bid. I, Barcelona want him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are they going to do? What's he going to do with these? You know, he's going to have better players at Leeds United. Yeah, I, than still, he did I still don't think he's good enough anyway. Full stop. Even if he's got like you, me, or Messi or Cristiano, I just, just don't think he's a very well, good manager. Maybe we need to move beyond this idea that a higher manager and like, oh, you got them promoted, so that means you need a job until you get relegated again. Maybe we need to go beyond that. Maybe Farker is the right manager to get them promoted. Yeah. 
And then you re- okay, revisit your progress, yeah, your maybe. project, and see who fits. Okay, maybe. This was what you were aware, Gab. I'm dying to get your take on this. Uh, what <laughs> no, new not. allegations against Manchester City were in that documentary that aired on YouTube uh, last week by a mysterious media company nobody had ever heard of? And could this impact on the Premier League's case against them? So... I brought this up. The story is like a week old, but I brought this up because I think there's a lot of cloak and dagger stuff going on here. I started watching him to be, watching the documentary. I think you got bored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can read. There was a story in the Times that yeah, Times true, also true. had access to some right. documents. Yeah. Uh, basically, so if we take you back to when Manchester City were banned for for two years, um, following evidence that was presented in the in in, in the Der Spiegel uh, football yeah, leaks, uh, revelations, where Essentially, in a very simple way, City were accused of disguising payments um, from the ownership via via sponsors. So basically, the the allegation was that the owners would give money to uh, an Emirati company, and then that Emirati company would just take the money and give it back to City as a sponsorship, and then yeah. the, the, which is obviously um, which is obviously illegal. It's a serious violation, right? So. We know that CAS overturned this. They overturned that because UEFA based it on, on, on two. Um, one, uh, one was the Etihad sponsorship. The other one was the Etisalat uh, sponsorship. In the Etihad one, uh, the court found that UEFA didn't bring enough evidence to prove their case. And in the Etisalat, they ended up not reviewing it because they said it was time barred. There was a statute of limitations, whatever. So now we know the, how it got to that point, and we know UEFA's rationale for the two-year ban, and, and the reason I bring this up is, according to them, it went through uh, an intermediary, some this mysterious man named Jabber Mohammed, yeah. which apparently nobody can find, um, and they allege that these documents show, and the documents have been reviewed, the, the, reviewed by the Times, they appear to show uh, that this guy paid paid the money to City, um, and it's not clear, he's, a, he's described not as a broker. Yeah. A couple of things to say to this. Um, one is these charges are not time barred as far as the Premier League are concerned. So they could be part, theoretically, the Premier League have 115 charges against City. Theoretically, they could include them. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's weird about this is this company, Sunrise Media, was only incorporated in June 7th. I think it's in the British Virgin Islands or, or some dubious place like yeah, that. Yeah, they created it just for that documentary, basically. Yeah. And so you wonder who's, who's behind. behind it. Because yeah. look, We've done this job for a long time. It's not unusual. It's obviously somebody leaked it from not so much UEFA because the court is independent, but you know whatever the adjudicatory chamber, maybe it's a clerk, whoever it is, yeah. right, decided we want these documents to be out there. Maybe they can be useful yeah. to the Premier League. Um, that part I think is very obvious. Uh, what's not obvious then is then who goes and pays to set up a media company and produce a documentary. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the world of like troll yeah, farms yeah, yeah. or whatever. Uh, who doesn't like Manchester City that much that they would go and do this? Yeah, that's true. Um, but whatever, it'll come out of the wash. We assume. Yeah. Alessia Russo has joined Arsenal as, oh, I'm sorry, should I say Alessia Russo uh, has joined Arsenal as a free agent from Manchester United. Jules, this is a coup, right? Yeah, I think it is because six months ago they made a, a big offer, actually the most expensive. Transfer to, to ask a question is somebody who doesn't really follow women's football, but yeah. I'm assuming, okay, Arsenal have a different sporting director for the women's side, right? Yeah. Well, although Edu is very much involved in the women's side as well. Okay. If Edu made a world record bid for somebody who was six months away from free agency, 
I'm assuming he would get fat. He he would get sacked straight away, right? No, because does it's it work ha- different in the women's game? It's just half. A, it's, it's half a million pound. It's five hundred thousand. But it's, it's, not a, it's a record. Even, but even in the budget for Arsenal women team, it's so why is it a very, world record? Because because transfer fees in the women's game are very very low. And are you not allowed in the women's game to go and commit? And to, to 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 go and you know when in the men's game when you're six months out. I mean, yeah, I, you I, I can don't sign know for, Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know why. Maybe so maybe she could she have signed waited. for this yeah, season for free. Yeah, but she she maybe just waited. And she could to have got a options. chunk of that half a million pounds for herself, right? I mean, yeah, I don't think it works like that. But yeah, so she, she, I think she just waited to see if Arsenal still wanted her, maybe, or if there was an injury. I don't know right, anything. But the fact is, she signed now. She's very happy. I think it's a great great signing because. Vivian Midemar's contract is coming to an end soon. Black Stenius has a longer contract. Beth Mead also renewed, but you, you've got plenty of options like that. And I think they, I think if you can get Alessio Russo on a free, you, you just take does it. This make, does this mean Arsenal are now the second or third most talented women's team in the world? Uh, maybe. Why not the first? Well, I don't know. I, because Barcelona really good. Yeah, no, Barcelona, Chelsea. But they, 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 they're there. They're semi-finalists of the Champions League. So I'm going to say this again because this bugs the crap out of me, okay, when it comes to women's football. FIFA, why can't we... I, I know you're into Women's World Cup for men. Why don't we have a Women's Club World Cup for women so that we can see how would these teams, European yeah. teams, actually fare against the NWSL sides, who yeah. I'm told are also yeah, really yeah, good, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, why? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Even in Mexico, for example, you know Jenny Hermoso, the um, the Spanish really really good player, moved to Mexico and he's very happy there. I would love to see a Mexican side. And there's money the in in Australia as well. Oh, they have a professional club too. Yeah. So no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Osasuna have been excluded for the Europa Conference League for a match-fixing case from a decade ago, as we we mentioned it before in the quick hits. It's now been confirmed. Gab, is there no status of limitation in this case? No, not not for something like this. I mean, if you if you have if if it goes to a, a criminal conviction, um, then UEFA uh, in, with, with something like match fixing, which yeah. I think it dates in 2013. I think yeah, the final verdict came out in like 2020 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it took a long time. Um, Osasuna hadn't qualified for Europe since 2007, I think. Yeah, 16 years. So. Yeah, if I said, okay, no, it applies now. I mean, they can appeal it. They can take it to cast. But this means Athletic Bilbao yeah. back in the, neighbors. Uh, the Europa Conference League. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The neighbors down the road. Sticking with this, UEFA have rebanded, rebranded Yay! the Europa Conference League as simply the Conference League. Jules, you must be super excited. So excited. I mean, everybody kept saying the Conference League anyway. Even before, not many people were <laughs> used to say the Europa Conference League. And it was very confusing with the Europa League as well. So I think... You, you know what? One of the reasons they did this is apparently on social media, they were running out of characters. No, it was hard <laughs> Too to long. fit everything in without making it look stupid. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well done. Conference League, you know. This is good. I, I would go with UEFA Europa Conference League of Nations myself. Oh my God, I love that. Chagla <laughs> Asuyunchu joins Atletico Madrid as a free agent from Leicester. Gab, do you think he can relaunch his career over there? He's 27 years old. He's still uh, young. There's still a player there. Uh, he had a bad injury. He was not good when he played last year. Um, he doesn't fit at all with what Enzo Manesca is trying to do uh, at Leicester. Yeah. But... There was a good player in there. I think he can regain his mojo. He certainly seems like uh, a Cholo Simeone Definitely. type player. Yeah. Um, it's a club with the right culture for it. It's a free transfer. I assume this is pretty low risk.
Ben Burton Diaz to Villarreal on a free transfer is all done. Oh, Jules, I, I know it. you're a fan. I'm a big fan. What an incredible story. What a really good player to start with. And I, I can't wait to see him in, in La Liga and see how well he does or not. But love the story, obviously, became this... This Chile, uh, Chile legend, if you want, hero after making his debut uh, and and doing really well in the Copa America and everywhere and, and establishing himself as a as a, a great squad member for Chile is great. Uh, and now he get, he got the big move that maybe could have come earlier. He's still a young player, but 24, I, I think. Yeah, I wonder why. He stayed that long for Blackburn. Maybe he just wanted to run down the contract, and then it's easier for him to move then and go to Villarreal. What a great experience this is going to be. He's going to fill Nicholas Jackson's big exactly, shoes. Exactly, yeah, to replace Nico Jackson. Gab, we like to check on this story occasionally, but it's been more than 12 months now since the sanctions for the war in Ukraine forced Roman Abramovich to sell Chelsea. Todd Bailey and friends paid the £2.5 billion, and we were told they would go into a special fund to help the victims of the war in Ukraine. Why is the money still sitting in Abramovich's account, though, Gab? Uh... That's a really good question. I think this is an underreported story. Uh, you said that every four weeks we do this quick hit. Because we're the only people talking about it. No, seriously. The Times write about it, and we do. Nobody talks about this. I um, know. It all has to do with government rules and lawyers. Uh, this foundation. Lawyers? Who's blocking what? Like, who's blocking this? So, basically, there's different rumors about what's actually happened. So it took the government a long, long time to create the legal framework uh, for this foundation to operate. Uh, they hired a guy who used to work for UNICEF named Mike Penrose. He's supposed to administer this foundation. Um, one of the hurdles right now seems that according to EU law, and you may wonder why this government's governed by EU law, when we're post-Brexit, they're not in the EU. Well, that's because Roman Abramovich, of course, is a Portuguese, Portuguese citizen. Of course. Um, let's not go down that route. Uh, <laughs> so basically, the EU says you have to spend this money within the Ukrainian uh, borders. Um, and so you can't go and spend it on, say, Russian victims of the no. war in Ukraine. Right. Um, uh, they're objecting, saying, no, we want to help Ukrainian refugees. We want more latitude. So they're working on this. I, I, I honestly, I am absolutely appalled. What I would have done. If the government can basically force to, force them to sell, you say very simply, no, 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 Mike Penrose and UNICEF and Foundation, these are the rules. We decide where you're going to spend the money. We're just going to take this from you, and that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll see you in court. You know, and I look, and I still think if a Bramwich had fought this in court, just sat there with his frozen assets, yeah, yeah. he could have waited too. It's two and a half billion, by the way. I don't even want to calculate what, given interest rates have risen. Like, I, there's a couple hundred million yeah. extra there now, right? Surely, I mean, surely. it's crazy. Yeah. Jonas Hoffman will move from Borussia Mönchengladbach to Bayer Leverkusen for around 10 million. Jules, does this turn Xabi Alonso's team into a contender now? I think that makes them better. He's a, he's a really good player. I think 10 million is cheap. I think he had maybe one year left on his contract. Yeah, you think he had a release clause even. Oh, release clause even. Um, so well done. It gives you different options for what Xabi is trying to build over there, especially if they stay with a 3-5-2 formation or 3-4-3 formation. That would be really good. I, you know, I think maybe he stayed up Gladbach a little bit too long. Maybe. So now this is a good move for him going forward as well. Over to Bayern now. Reports in Germany said that they're pursuing Valencia's Georgi Mamadashvili. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Georgi. Uh, I guess it's because they don't have enough goalkeepers, right? With Nubol, Neuer, Zomer. Uh, Jan Ulrich, Jan Ulrich Oliver Kahn, now that he's no longer CEO as well. Imagine, yeah. Because they're playing, it's Tuchel's new idea. Let me play six goalkeepers. 
Stop being mean with Tuchel. Lately, you've been really mean. No, I look. I I am guessing. I am guessing that uh, they're gonna. If Neuer's back and Tuchel decides that that he want after his skiing accident and he wants to start, obviously they sign Jan Sommer. Those two veterans. Sommer to me becomes a commodity that you can loan for yeah, a club yeah, that's true, true. for. For example, to a club that's looking maybe for a one-year loan of a goalkeeper. My God, Manchester United. Exactly. Hey, Funny go. that. That wouldn't be a bad shout. Alexander Nubel, who is wants younger, to be number one, talented, wants to be number one. He's also available. I think you. I don't know if they'd loan. I mean, I guess they'd have no choice but to loan him again. But they probably want to sell him as yeah, well. Yeah, maybe. Hey, Nubel's not terrible, is he? Now nah, you're making yeah, your face. Monaco is, hasn't been great. So maybe I, I'm guessing they hope to shift two of those three yeah. guys and then bring in Mamar Dashvili maybe as the heir to Neuer if they're going to pursue this, yeah. some kind of insurance. Yeah. But I don't think anything happens be. until they move yeah, for sure. they have to move and, and Newbull. And I think that could that could run until the end of the yeah. window. So we could well be talking this after we after we come back next season. Didier Drogba has launched a campaign to protect young footballers from unlicensed agents who might exploit them. Jules, we've all heard a ton of horror stories. Here. Yeah, we have. I think it's a really good initiative from Drogba, especially in Africa where there's always a lot of talent. That dream is to come to Europe, for example, and they're taken by some not very good person, let's put it that way. And you're right, we've heard some stories where... You know, the kids would turn up in France, in Belgium, in wherever, in Eastern Europe, and nobody was waiting for him. He would be completely lost. Uh, and often they would have to, to pay those unlicensed agents to leave their country, wherever they're from. So it's, it's a really good initiative. I, I think that FIFA should do more, UFA. I think even, you know, the, they're trying to... We, we, we mentioned that FIFA were trying to... Um, to restructure the agent business in a way with yeah. new license, etc. I think this is also something they could be looking at. So you'd, you'd want them to set up some body to go and police this, to, Maybe, to handle yeah. complaints? Yeah, exactly. Certainly for the complaints, yeah. I, I mean, I think in a lot of cases we know who the, the intermediary guys are. Uh, and, and we've heard so many stories, as we said, that maybe this could be prevented at the, at the start of it. I, I, mean, I, I guess I understand it's not easy to police, but I think maybe more could be doing for that because at the end, he often ends up in a disastrous situation for the kids. Roma, one step closer to Adama Traore. Gab, is he a good fit for Jose Mourinho? For Jose Mourinho, where he is now, 100%. Stick him out wide, have him, have him run at people, <laughs> knock them over, wreak havoc. The ball bounces, ends up with Dybala. He tees it up for Imagine Tammy. Imagine Dybala Boom. passing the ball to Adama Traore. And never getting it back? Never. Um, no, funny enough, I wonder who Adama Traore's agent is. Hmm. Oh, let uh, me think. Okay. Look, he's not a terrible player. He, he has a... He has a a pretty singular, um, I think it's fair to say, skill set um, in that he's strong and he's fast and he runs at people. Yeah. His passing isn't great. His finishing isn't great. No. But I think a lot of times when, in, in the way Mourinho's playing right now, they want, he wanted those guys who can take on an opponent one-on-one, -on -one, who can create something out of nothing. Um, because it was more about that than about yeah, patterns yeah, of play, right? So, yeah. so uh, he has that in, in Spinazzola, who may yet be sold. Uh, he has that in Dybala. Yeah. Um, Traore is another weapon. Why yeah. not? 
Jules, your pal John Joe Shelby was uh, trending earlier this week on social media here in England. Why? Yeah, that's right. Because this uh, this girl uh, told a great story. I think I know you're not too keen, but I think it's a great story. Basically, she uh, meets in a in a club John Joe Shelby, Chris Wood, and Jesse Lingard, so three Nottingham Forest players. The Adams family. Basically. The Adams family. If you want to, I knew that joke was coming. She goes back to John Joe Shelby's place with the other two. And as they're there, guess what John Joe Shelby does? What he puts on TV? Not Strictly Come Dancing, not the uh, X Factor or whatever, uh, Pop Idol or something, not a football match, not an NBA basketball match. He puts his own highlights on YouTube of his own of his own career. Which he made himself. Which I, know, I think maybe they, they made, I mean, okay. maybe. But like, imagine the girl sitting there on the sofa with Wood Lingard and Shelby and just looking at John Joe Shelby saying, hey, look at the diagonal there, 70 yards. Look at this free kick for Newcastle 10 years ago. I mean, what what is he trying to do? Like, I don't want to be cruel to John Joe Shelby because I know this is going to make him the subject of much mockery. And already has well, he's done. trying to impress her or something. Say, hey, look how good I was when I was to play because now he's not playing much anymore. We don't know the context. We don't know if she said, oh, John Joe. You know, please, please show me your highlight video. We don't, we don't know. We don't know any of this. I want to get in the better. Maybe not. You know, but I will say this about John Joe Shelby because yeah. like, those three, Chris Wood, Jesse Lingard, John Joe Shelby, very mockable, you know, players in, in many ways, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, his highlight video, actually, given that he was a ridiculously, or still is, I guess, ridiculously gifted passer, uh, yeah, passer yeah, of the ball, yeah. and he's had a couple long-range rockets, at least he has a freaking highlight video. Yeah, yeah. If I, you I show don't know Chris what... Wood's highlight, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really <laughs> sure how far <laughs> much we go. But that reminded me of the, uh, this great story from Emmanuel de Bayo, who used to sleep with a pyjama on, and the pyjama was his Arsenal shirt. And that, and that, so the guy slept in the his game own... game-worn jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it shows how much you love it. yourself as a player, which is good. Or how much you love your club. He loved Arsenal so much that he never left. Wear he teammates one, then, if you want. <laughs> Don't wear your own, man. Come on. <laughs> Forest Green Rovers uh, in League Two here in England, so the fourth division, have made history in English professional football, Gabby, by appointing Sonny Fernandez, as a caretaker, the first female manager. Okay, so it's a, it's a woman named Hannah Dingley. She was already the, the only, and I think this is more relevant, um... She was, she was the manager of the of the academy yeah, side. Yeah. Um, like at some point, it'll happen. Obviously, you know, in this has already happened in other countries. You had the yeah, Corinthians in, in yeah, France, in second division. You had Carolina Morace coaching in the second division in Italy like twenty years ago. Uh, it's forward progress, I think, here in England. How there's two things I, I got to underscore here. One is this is just an interim thing while they find a new boss. The, the previous yeah, boss, she, she might be the boss. It might be her. Duncan Ferguson, of course, was Left. the what was the previous boss. The other thing is the guy who owns this club. This club is how can I say this nicely? I'm not saying this is a publicity stunt. No, but he loves a bit of. Yeah. They like the publicity, yeah. right? They're all like, oh look, you know, I, th- I think they went. They 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 they're, they're vegan. Or they, they, they went yeah. they went vegan with their, their, their not not just like we have vegan options, but like, just, you know, there's no burger bar there unless it's <laughs> vegan burgers. Um, so I wonder about it, but clearly to me, it's more relevant. That, and, and I didn't know this, that she was in charge of the Academy because that shows that yeah, she had real power. Very successful. She's 39 years old. Uh, hopefully she's got a great uh, a great future. In, I hope she gets the job. I really oh, do. By the way, your friend Hector Bellerin, he's apparently he's the second He's the second biggest shareholder at Forest yeah, Green Rovers. Yeah, yeah, I think I knew this. Yeah, 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 he invested in the club. So if he's struggling to find a club, he can give himself a job. In, in League Two. Why go. not? Yeah. Jules, 
That brings us to an end, oh. not just for the show, but but but, but for, for the, the summer, for the season, man. for the season. That's right. But don't it was worry. A great season. It was a great season. We're gonna be back in August because there's a, there's a lot more football course coming your way. The, the Women's World Cup uh, in uh, in Australia and New Zealand, most notably. Um, but until then, don't worry. We'll be back. We'll be taking care of you next year. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Thank you.